We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Before we get too far into this episode, I do want to ask you to fill out my listener survey. Every couple of years, I survey people and see what they have to say about the direction of the podcast, what you're learning. And as people come and approach me for different sponsorship opportunities, I want to make sure that what I'm having as sponsors on the podcast is relevant to you. So if you would go to jethrojones.com slash survey, then I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes, the first link at the top of the show notes for the next month or so. It would mean the world to me, jethrojones.com slash survey. Thank you so much. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have on the podcast today, Christopher Jones. He's been an educator in Massachusetts for 21 years. He just finished his 13th year as a building administrator and true to his why of improving the educational experience for as many people as possible by being purposeful, acting with integrity and building character. He is the principal of Whitman Hanson Regional High School in Whitman, Massachusetts. Chris is also an Influence 100 Fellow and a Vice President of the Massachusetts School Administrators Association. Chris hosts a podcast, regularly appears on as a guest on Educational Leadership Podcasts, blogs, is active on Twitter, and vlogs on a weekly basis as a way to reflect on his progress, share his story, and get others to think about different perspectives. His overarching goal is to positively model continuous improvement in all facets of life by being purposeful acting with integrity, and building character. Chris, welcome to Transformative Principle. Oh, thank you, Jethro. I couldn't be happier to be on here. I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time to sit and have a conversation with me. Well, I am happy to. This is actually your second time on the podcast, and we're going to go way back in time 
to uh, episode <laughs> 276, and this is episode 477, and that was the last time you were on, and it's pretty amazing that it's been so long, and yet I feel like I just barely talked to you. Yeah, I mean, um, when you had first said that, I that's that's hard to believe. 200 episodes? That's a yeah, long time ago. That is. <laughs> That, that really is. So that is, that's about four years in my, um, in my podcasting life. So that's, that's been a long time. And actually this one was only two years ago. Cause I forgot I did double episodes for all of 2020. So that's why it was oh. not that long ago. So, uh, April 28th, 2019, and this one's going to be April 17th, 2022 when it comes out. So almost to the day. I know that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, so here's the other part that I think is really cool, Chris, is uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is your book, uh, which is which came out recently and is called Seeing to Lead, Creating a World-Class Culture Through a Teacher-Centered Approach. And the book title, Seeing to Lead, uh, is an acronym. What does that acronym stand for? It stands for Supporting, Engaging, and Empowering. So S-E-E. And um, because it's teacher-centric, it's Supporting, Engaging, and Empowering Teachers. Yeah. And the title of our podcast in April of 2019, episode 276, was Supporting, Engaging, and Empowering Your Staff. So you, <laughs> you've been on this ball for a while, right? I've been doing this for a while. It's, you know, I'd, I'd like to say I've gotten better at it, but I've pretty much just brought it all together. And that's why I decided I had to put it out in a book. It's just something that I really believe from my core about how I should be leading my building. I've given presentations on it. I live it in my building. So that's that's good to hear that I've been doing it for two years. It doesn't seem to go that far back, but I guess it does. Yeah, well, it definitely does. And the cool thing about this is that uh, even back then, the cover art for that, for that podcast episode, because every episode is different, it has your quote, which is, I'm not a student-centered principal. And the thing that is that is really fascinating to me, one of the things that I say in my book, How to Be a Transformative Principal, is that a lot of things that we do in education, a lot of beliefs we have and stances we take, they don't really matter all that much. That you can be a staff-centered principal or a student-centered principal and still have success. And it just amazes me to hear you, how strong you are about that and and how that's that defines who you are and you have great success with that right yeah i mean you know it's funny that you say that because in reality we're we're all in this to make sure that the students get what they need to be successful beyond the halls of school so you know if that's the end goal i think what we're looking at is just different approaches to get to the goal which could open up a whole other conversation about education in general but i i really believe that when i left the classroom and started moving up to assistant principal, moving up to principal. There, there is that old adage that you get farther away from the kids and get out of touch from the students. And I didn't want that to happen. But the way that the way I can affect the most students is by supporting the teachers because the teachers see the most students throughout the course of the day. No matter no matter how hard I work, how many students I see, whatever committees or groups I set up with students, however much I'm in the halls, there's no way that I can effectively reach as many students as the teachers do. So if I get the teachers to a position where they feel supported, they're engaged about what they're doing, they're empowered to take leadership roles, to do different things like that, there's no way that that type of teacher in front of a class of students 
there's no way that the students are not benefiting. And so that's just, that's just the approach I take. Yeah. And I think that that is really powerful that when you recognize, I mean, that's really the, the power of delegation, right? That you are delegating the impact that you can have to all your teachers and being intentional about how you do that and how you make sure that they have what they need to support your students, right? Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's funny that you said delegating the impact I can have on this. I never thought of it like that until you put it like that. But that's exactly what it is. It's it's being intentional about making sure teachers get what they need to continually improve. Because unfortunately, whenever I say, you know, I, I turn heads when I say, hey, I'm not a student-centered principal, I'm a teacher-centered principal. And they're like, what? You can't be a principal and not be student-centered. That doesn't mean that the teacher's always right and the teacher's always doing the perfect things and the onus is always on the student. That's not what that means. That means that I'm intentional about supporting teachers in the process of growth and continual improvement that they need to engage in to impact students in a successful manner. And so the idea of, it's interesting that you said delegating that impact, which that's what it is. And it's a series of steps that I go through, but that's, that's basically what I'm doing is the idea of getting teachers in a spot where I say, I don't want them doing, I'm not expecting cartwheels on sunny nights or Monday mornings when they're walking in through the door. But if I have teachers not sitting there Sunday night saying, oh, I've got to go to work tomorrow and they're excited about what they're doing and they know that they're connected to the vision and mission of the school and they're connected on a personal level, there's a piece of their own personal vision for what they want to be in education that comes through in the school's vision, then it it just becomes a, a place where it's about learning and it's about doing the right thing for students. Yeah. And being a teacher-centered principal doesn't mean that you don't care about student success. Obviously, you do. And it just means that you have a different perspective on how to get there. Rather than focusing all your energy on the students, you focus on the teachers so that they can focus it on the students. And you said something there about the dread of going to work on Monday mornings and, and that you feel that Sunday evenings. And if you haven't had a job where you've experienced that... um go get a job that you would just hate doing and try it for a little while, even if it's a part-time job. I mean, if you've been blessed enough in your life to never have that experience, you really should try that because the dread that you feel going into the the work week and feeling that the night before where you're just sick to your stomach because of that, that's a big deal. And once you've experienced that, you know how important it is to remove that stress. So, you can't control your teachers. You can't control how they feel or what they do, but what are things you do to make sure that they don't feel that way Sunday night? I make sure they have a place. And like I had said before, um, the idea of being personally connected, something about, or the reasons that they got into teaching and what they want to do. I make sure to pull at those strings to engage them. So I work on a sense of belonging to the building culture Teachers need to have that sense of belonging that we can do by me getting to build relationships with the teachers and making sure that there's certain things that go on in the building that reflect who they are as a professional. And I'm not always talking about like, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of administrators that get caught up in the idea of food and pizza and party and and things like that. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about giving them voice and letting them in on decisions that are made as far as where the building is headed 
and things like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be that they they give their voice and we do what they what they want. I mean, all of us would kind of like that, I think, is if whatever we said is what we acted on or what the outcome was. But more importantly is the idea that they had a say and that at least they were heard. And that's that that whole piece of a part of them in the building. That's that belonging piece and the connection to the vision piece. And also the tangible outcomes. I focus on tangible outcomes of what they're doing. So any little bit of success, I highlight. I highlight bigger things of success, obviously, but any little piece. I'm in classrooms all the day. I take pictures. I post on social media about the different things that they're doing in their classrooms. If they achieve something, I'm all over social media with that. I share it with the staff. One little thing or trick that I fell across that got people excited about what they were doing in their classrooms and actually kind of built, I don't want to say competition because often that has a negative connotation to it. But if I see you, Jethro, um, you're a history teacher and you're doing something cool in your classroom and I happen to be in there. And so I take a picture of it. Well, I'll brag on you a little bit, but what I make sure I do is I tag every other teacher in the history department so that it pops up on their social media so that they see it. And then they go to the teacher and they're like, hey, that was pretty cool what you're doing. And, they, and that starts that dialogue. And it starts that idea of, well, how did you do that? I mean, before the show, we were just talking and I said, well, how do you do that? And you showed me really quick. And in 30 seconds, I felt like we had that connection and like, like I belonged to part of the process almost. Any little things like that, as far as connection to vision, belonging in the, in the building, in the culture, being part of the culture and any tangible outcomes that I can show of their work, because it's, there's nothing more of a drag than going to work every day and not getting that validation that what you do matters. And some yeah. people say they don't need it, but boy, a pat on the back goes a long way. Well, it does. And I, I love that example of tagging other people so that they can see what was done and not as a rub in their face and this person's better, but you know, like you said, you've created the culture where they want to go and ask, what have you done? What are you doing to find success? And I think that's so powerful. And that opens the door for people to have whatever success they need to have and gives them an opportunity to see that they can contribute as well, even if they're not the department chair or whatever the case may be for your, for your particular mm -hmm. high school. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Another example of this is for professional development, right? We, we always talk about professional development for teachers and the, the one size fits all and 
um, then people try to move away from that. But boy, if you want to get teachers engaged in what's going on around their school, have them provide professional development and really carve it out and make a big deal. We did like an in-house um, conference with my staff where my staff stepped forward. And it's, it's funny, I actually talk about this a little bit in my book under the empower section, because at first I wasn't empowering them to go all the way. I still kind of kept the reins on. But when I took them off and let teachers put forward topics that were important to them, and then let the rest of the teachers in the building vote with their feet and go to the session that they wanted to go to that was being taught by their colleague, all I had to do was some math. I just had to make sure I carved out the time and did what I needed to do to give them the space to do that. And all of them said that was the best professional development they had ever gone to. They were there with their colleagues. Their colleagues were teaching them on things that mattered to them and things that they could go down the hallway and see actually occurring in a classroom instead of somewhere in the pages of a book or, you know, a workshop in another office somewhere else. Yeah. You know, considering my job now is going out and speaking places, I, of course, want people to hire me and have me come out and speak. (laughs) But at the same time, I know how powerful it is to have people there say, this is what we're doing. And, you know, I was, so I'm working with a district in Wisconsin right now, and we're talking a lot about student-driven learning and what that looks like and how to support your kids in doing that. And one of the things that is a key part of that is getting feedback from the teachers about what they're doing that's actually working. And when you think about a big implementation of whatever it is that you're doing, you know, this is a big deal, student-driven learning. It's going to change how their district operates in a good way, I believe. But everybody wants to know what's working. And if you don't take the time to say, here's what's working, then it's going to be really challenging. And you're going to be, you're going to struggle in implementing anything because people need to see what's going on someplace else. They need to see who's doing it well down the hall from my classroom Because if you don't explicitly give that time, then they're not going to make that time because they don't have that time to do that. So I I love that approach of of having an in-house conference and having them teach things. Uh, That's one of the great things about ed camps that are so powerful is part of the appeal is that it's not pre-planned. But imagine if you do a pre-planned ed camp where people still get to vote with their feet. People still get to put out ideas and say, this is what I've created and then be able to share it. And there, there are some really powerful things that can come from that when you take the time to give people the spotlight and share what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about, and just before I touch on something else, you said we, t- we talked about topics like grading, homework, and things like that, where if, man, if I tried to pull that off as the principal of a building, they're like, yeah, okay, Jones, uh-huh. where they hear their colleagues talking about homework and the usefulness of homework and different ways to do that and deal with that and grading and, and things like that. It's, it's much more important. And you had mentioned the idea of um, time, right. And, and, and time being difficult and they don't have the time to do things unless they know they work. I would also argue that they need, they need the space. And that's something about supporting teachers. You need to get them to the spot where they know they're working with a net for, for lack of a better way of putting it, that you expect them to take risks and you help push them to take risks. And then you know what, when they fall down, you pick them up. You don't ding them on an evaluation. You don't say, you know, well, you really messed up. You pick them up, you support them, and then you pull the wins out of that. And then you take those wins and carry those forward with you and just forget about the rest, just throw it out. Um, 
I think that's incredibly important to do. We, it's funny, we were doing a book study and I believe the, the um, book was launch that we were doing a um, book study with. And one of the teachers, she decided to take one day a week, every Friday and said, the students can work on whatever they want, whatever interests them, as long as there's one tie back to the curriculum that they were doing it in. And it could take any form that they wanted. So projects, anything like that. And she was excited about it. And we checked in on it every week and she said, yeah, we did it. And the kids made progress. And then we got to the end and she, <laughs> we're sitting in the room and she wheels in this cart with all these products. I'm talking everywhere from board games to dioramas to all these different things on this cart. And she said, well, doc, she goes, yeah, the, the process worked, but I, I've got an issue. So I've got this one and then I've got this one and I've got this one. And I never planned on how am I ever going to grade this? She said, like, they hit different parts of the rubric, but some, you know, you can tell the kids spend hours, others, they kind of spent some time, but um, she didn't think about how she was great. So we had a conversation about, you know, obviously, you, you're not going to punish the kids or use a punitive grading style or anything like that, because that was that was on you. And she was upset. She was all wrapped up about it. And I said, not a big deal. She said, well, I screwed up. I said, no, you didn't. Just make sure that you hold the kids harmless. What did they learn? And assess them on that and move forward and then fix it next time. But keep what you were doing because there were more kids engaged. She wouldn't have done that or taken the time to do that and learned from it if she thought that there was something behind that where I was going to come in with an evaluation or say, well, what was that grade? Or if a parent complained, jump on her. You know what I mean? So it's it's the whole idea of not just time, but teachers I find need space as well. Well, and here's the cool thing just to get on that tangent for a second of when we do that student-driven learning that I that I call it, which is genius hour, project-based learning, all that mm -hmm. stuff fits into this. What I have found is that kids learn more at a deeper level and faster than they do when you put the expectation out of this is the standard we're trying to cover. So if you think about it, like each one of those kids has this little farm in their backyard and each one of the standards is one specific type of plant. Some kids' corn is going to grow really, really well and is going to be amazing. Other kids' corn, they're going to plant it and it's just not going to do very well. Other kids' tomatoes are going to be out of this world amazing, but their corn is not that great. So do you, do you hate them because they produced really great tomatoes but not really great corn? No, of course not. You you appreciate whatever it is that they can cultivate in their in their farm and that's that's all well and good. And when you start thinking about education in that way, then it becomes less about did everybody grow corn with exactly 96 kernels on it? And that's what we're doing in education is we're trying to get them to grow the exact same corn as their neighbor. We in reality, we don't want that. In our system, we want it cuz it's easy to measure whether or not that kid grew the 96 kernels on his ear of corn. But that's not the measure of what good corn is. That's not the measure of what we want that kid to do for the rest of their life. But when you make it a safe environment for the teacher to say, that's okay, that you don't have to, you don't have to worry about every kid being identical. You can worry about each kid learning the best that they possibly can. That really changes the dynamic for them and really empowers them to try those different things. And I felt like when I really arrived as a principal was when one of my teachers, shout out to Courtney Thornton, she said, Jess, I'm doing this lesson. I've never done it before. 
come do your observation while I'm doing this lesson. Uh, your for my formal evaluation, like do the formal observation at this time. And I was like, man, you really want to try something brand new when it when you your evaluation is on the line. She's like, yeah, I know that you're going to be fair. You're not going to you're not going to ding me if the lesson doesn't go right, because that's not what the observation is about. Right. I was like, of course not. But most teachers don't say that. And she's like, well, I I think that's what we need to do. <laughs> and it was great. Those have being her principal was the best because she was like, here's this crazy new thing I'm trying. Come give me feedback and see how it fits in to how I'm judged as a teacher. I mean, can you ask for anything better than that? No, I, I love when teachers do that. That's that's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, there is also the idea that we get what we expect and we get what we model. So there is the idea that if I'm modeling that type of expectation with teachers, then why wouldn't they begin to model that type of expectation with their students? Mm-hmm. Where if teachers are working to learn and continually improve and they're not getting dinged along the way, instead they're getting supported and I'm building relationships with them to, to further engage them. And then the idea of empowering them, why would they not be doing that to their students if it's happening to them in their personal lives? We kind of break that rigid education of, no, these are the standards. You need to know these. You didn't get this. You get an F. Mm-hmm. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, so my final question for you, Chris, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Take some time, step back and look at your teachers, look at where they need to be supported and help them create a map and help them build that bridge to get there on the gaps that show their map and then engage them by helping them see a part of themselves in your culture and why that's the place for them to be and then empower them by taking what they do and what you've given them the ability to do or the leeway or whatever you want to call it and accepting that that's what they did and moving forward from there in a positive way instead of saying, I'm, that's not the way I would have done it. Accept the way they do it and then move forward from there. Mm. Yeah. That last piece is really powerful. Accept how they do it and move forward. Yeah. Cause their idea is going to be different than yours. That's really awesome. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Um, again, the book you should check out is seeing to lead creating a world-class culture through a teacher centered approach. And, uh, you can get that wherever fine books are sold. And uh, Chris on Twitter is at Dr. C.S. Jones. Definitely a good follow. And Chris, thanks again for being part of Transformative Principle. Jethro, I couldn't be happier to be here for a second time. Um, Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, 
meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.